We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Don't you lose your credibility without the shirt? Welcome back to the BCP podcast. As I often say, I really wish I could go to this microphone and this camera and give you all individually a big embrace. If you ever see me in public, say BCP James, so I know that you're a fan, and then come and give me a hug. I'm a hugger. And I hope you can feel that through the zeros and ones and the electrons pushing this message out into the interwebs, into your ears, but most importantly, into your hearts. I appreciate the camaraderie we have. And even though it may seem virtual, it is very, very real to me. I want to continue showing you a few things that I didn't show you in yesterday's episode because I really didn't want to go over an hour. And I think we went 46 seconds over one hour with the intro and outro in yesterday's episode. I I want to show you a part I didn't show you of Jacob Chansley on Newsmax. Newsmax had him on, I think, as a joke. I think they had him on as, look at this, Q... Anon Shaman is running for Congress. Who does he think he is? Now, if you missed yesterday's episode, I went off on a little bit of a rant. I won't say tangent because it was tangentially part of the discussion yesterday. How I just find Washington, D.C. to be a very evil place. And I think I would have a heart attack if I had to be there for any extended amount of time. And um, except for maybe the Smithsonian Institute, uh, the, the Smithsonian uh, museums are awesome. I think you could probably spend a month there or more just seeing all the, all the things if you're into museums. But yes, our, our founding fathers had the idea of people like James, like Jacob Chansley, serving in the, in the legislature, serving our community as politicians, not career politicians who are full of graft and full of themselves. So that is my little introduction into this. Tell me if you see it like I see it. Newsmax has Jacob Chansley on, and they don't take him seriously, and they want want him to explain why he should be taken seriously. Now, this can come from two places, right? People are not taking you seriously, but I take you seriously. Make your case. That would be one way to perceive what was happening here on Newsmax. Or it could be, as I perceive it, people don't take you seriously. We don't take you seriously. Let's see what kind of interesting segment we could have with you on our show here on Newsmax. But here is the golden part. It's Jacob Chansley who came up on top and schooled these, I would have to say, establishment conservatives. I'll let you be the judge. 
Don't you lose your credibility without the shirt? I'm not disingenuous in any way, shape, or form. I come bare-chested. I come in full regalia. This is who I am. This is what I represent. And guess what? I think that once people hear me speak, then they can and will want to vote for me. That seems like a fair enough question. Jacob Chansley is known for coming in full regalia, bare-chested, with the horns and the flag. Kind of a caricature of himself. And now we see him here, you know, uh, with his, his, you know, a, a shirt and tie and running for a Congress. But this is where I really start to see the the bias here. I wanted to ask you this as well, if we can. Uh, we know you're running for Congress. We've, we've made that very clear. You've made that very clear. We're talking about, again, the policies that you wanted to run on in terms of uh, p- penalties for insider trading, term limits, et cetera, things like that. Obviously, you've done some homework uh, when you had the time to do that. Jacob Chansley championing policies that we conservatives like. No insider trading. We don't want Pelosi's and other people getting rich off of politics, off of our taxpayer passing laws to benefit their lobbyist friends and then make money off of the stock trades on that. He wants term limits, something that we should have had a long time ago. And it's going to be hard to ever get because people are not going to vote for their own, let's say, fortune, the the demise of the system that brings them fortunes. There's a disincentive to vote for that. But maybe he didn't do his homework. Maybe he is like, we, the people, Americans that feel this way. We're just informed. We don't need to do homework. It almost seems like he's saying, maybe I'm just being sensitive here. Hey, since you were incarcerated and in a halfway home for so long, you've obviously done your homework. You've learned some stuff. You a dummy. But now that you want to run for Congress, now you've done your homework, you know, because you've had a lot of time while incarcerated to do so. Okay. Now Jacob Chansley has a chance to shine. This is not an endorsement of Jacob Chansley. This is an endorsement of Americans fed up. We know what's going on and we want to be part of the solution. Um, You're running as a libertarian. People are going to ask, why should anyone from any party vote for a convicted felon who is accused of trying to destroy the very democracy you want to represent now? Do you have an answer for that? Well, I tell them, first of all, we don't live in a democracy. We live in a constitutional republic. A democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what's for dinner. A republic is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. (laughs) Booyah! Booyah! Schooled by Jacob Chansley. We are not in a democracy. We are in a constitutional republic. I always qualify that. That's a true statement. I always qualify it that we are a form of democracy. We're just not a pure democracy. And democracy is not the proper term. Can someone show me in the Constitution where it says democracy? I'm waiting. While I'm waiting, let's wrap up with uh, Jacob Chansley's answer to this question. And I would also say that, you know, the... DOJ can call anybody or can can convict anybody on anything. I believe it was Clarence Thomas that said the average American citizen breaks six federal laws a day. 
So our list of rules for the government is a page or two. It's called the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. But their list of rules for us are thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of pages at this point. Hence why you know, the average American citizen breaks six federal laws a day. That's a problem. And so in my opinion, if, you, if the American people are looking for change, then I guarantee you they're not going to find it in the establishment they're not going to find it in any of the people that are currently in Congress because those people are banking on keeping the status quo. That's how they keep their jobs. Okay, just in case I haven't yet convinced you that Newsmax not only was not taking Jacob Chansley seriously, he had a very good answer there. They resort to pretty much calling him an insurrectionist and totally giving the talking point that if this interview were on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, or MSNBC, this interviewers, these line of questioning would have been right at home on those other networks. These people want yeah. careers in DC. They it, don't want to make change. And Jacob, as we know, people make change by using their vote lawfully. And doing so peacefully, not obstructing a congressional proceeding, as we know. What an eye roller. Jacob Chansley rolled his eyes. Whatever. I don't I don't really watch Newsmax. I also have a, a little bit of a, a contention with them professionally. Doesn't really affect me now. Uh, but when I was on YouTube, I would use a Newsmax clip. And they were very aggressive on their copyright IDs. And they would demonetize my episodes if I played more than like 12 seconds or 20 seconds, 17 seconds. And it was totally arbitrary. Sometimes I'd play generally on YouTube so you don't get strikes. You want to keep clips less than 20 seconds. You kind of know which networks don't really care. Like CNN doesn't care as much. Uh, you know, people like Joe Rogan don't really care about their stuff being, uh, you know, you can have longer clips or what have you. But Newsmax hit me once, I think, for a 13 or 14 second clip of like the Eric Bowling show, I think it was. So I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Newsmax uh, per se. And, and, all, and of course, it all depends on, on the presenters. But here, uh, these presenters were freaking jokes, thinking that MAGA shaman Jacob Chansley was going to be some sort of pushover. And it wasn't that that really uh, disgusted me. It was the MSNBC talking point at the end. Well, don't we make change by voting peacefully and not going into the Capitol? All right. While we're on the subject, uh, let me show this to you. And some of you probably have seen this because this actually has gone somewhat viral. It was from uh, Monday. And it's Vivek Ramaswamy taking down hack Chris Cuomo on his own show. Thematically, you'll see that this is very similar to our dissection of Jacob Chansley's appearance on Newsmax. This time, it's Vivek Ramaswamy on News Nation with Chris Cuomo. And once again, showing you these clips is not a, an endorsement for the vote for Jacob Chansley I don't know. He may be the guy to vote for. I don't know. But 
this is not at all a, a an endorsement of Vivek Ramaswamy. 100% feet planted. My my, uh, my arse is in the seat that I have reserved at the front caboose of the Trump train. Ramaswamy, why do you keep going at Nikki Haley? Why do you think this is going to bear fruit? Chris, I don't know what you've been smoking, man. You and the rest of the mainstream media, it's laughable. Nikki Haley's been going after me the whole campaign. First debate, second debate. You know, she's been trailing me for much of the time, but I realize the establishment media has realized that there's a puppet they want to put up. I'm not playing that game. The grassroots of this country know they want a leader who isn't going to send us our sons and daughters to go die in foreign wars that racked up $7 trillion in debt. Dick Cheney 2.0 yeah. taken over the GOP. Problem is the Democratic establishment media is now rooting for war, too. I'm the only candidate speaking for a true America first agenda on that debate stage. And I think we're going to be successful. Vic's posture here. And he kind of did throw the first salvo, right? Saying, what are you smoking, Chris? But he's correct in that Nikki Haley is a warmonger. She is definitely old guard Republican neocon. And the neocons and neolibs share that same value of continued U.S. involvement in foreign conflicts and wars. And he lumped Chris Cuomo in with the rest of the mainstream media which is actually was a double-edged sword. That was actually kind of a compliment uh, to Chris Cuomo because Chris Cuomo is no longer on CNN and he's on News Nation. He doesn't have at all the prestige that he, that he at once had. Uh, but Chris Cuomo didn't like that. So he goes to the usual talking points of saying that Vivek Ramaswamy is just a conspiracy theorist. Really? Nikki Haley isn't a warmonger and the establishment media isn't favoring her I mean, just the way he positioned the question, why are you, you know, why is this all happening? Why are you going after her? When it does seem that Nikki Haley, when she was trailing Vivek Ramaswamy, actually started to put the more heat on him. And he's more in turn responding to her attacks, not like he initiated the attacks. But regardless, it is a primary debate, even though none of them have a, a snowball's, snowball's helling chance of winning uh, the Republican primary. That's just politics. But Chris Cuomo is such a freaking snowflake, he takes everything personally. Vivek, how are you going to bring people together when you just uh, put together a tapestry of conspiracies? You know that I'm not pitching anything about Chris, Nikki what, Haley. What are you she talking, won't even come I mean, on my a, show. Uh, there's no tapestry. She won't even come on my no show. What are you talking about, that thing? I'm sure Hold she doesn't. Second. Hold on a second. <laughs> I let you I let you put it out there, and now you know I get to finish smoking, and uh, now I get to answer, which is... Um, oh, this is what the media is doing, is putting up Nikki Haley against me because the they know I'm doing. the real they, deal. Picked, please. She hasn't even been the, on my show. Picked, Chris, I'm just please. watching you get you know slapped what? I, around I, I by her. Kristen and I'm Welker. wondering what I, your strategy you know, the is. Fact Come on, Chris Cuomo. If you want to be part of the mainstream media on News Nation, which they're they're rising, you know, up there, Newsmax, you know, they're, they're kind of rising as alternatives to the regular mainstream media, the CNN MSNBCs, even though they're, which are dying, they're just pretty much taking over some of that viewership. Uh, you can't have it both ways, Chris Cuomo. You can't be like, yes, I'm part of the mainstream media, and then get offended personally when Vivek goes against the mainstream media. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy here just taking a total playbook out of 2016 Trump. But this is where it gets brilliant, I think, with Vivek Ramaswamy. He's like, hey. Chris Cuomo, you want to make this personal? Oh, 
I'll make it personal. And then the whole Andrew Cuomo thing comes into play. The matter is, Chris, my strategy is calling out the mainstream media like I did to Kristen Welker at the start of that debate. I asked her about the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, told her to look the audience in the eye and apologize to them. Just like I'll tell you, you're part of the mainstream media despite pretending like you're not. Look the audience in the eye oh, and tell them the mainstream media. Brother. For all that happened, I'm part of the mainstream media. Hey, listen. And you play the same games that the rest of the mainstream media does. You're doing it tonight. You've been, you have been, you have been covering for your brother. You have been playing a game. You were kicked off the CNN. Of course, I help my brother. Yeah, of course I do. You know what? That's been journalistic standards that have now been failed, not just by you, but by every member of the broken political media. So yes, it is going to take everyone in the media. And you want to look Everyone at Everyone in the media well, most is the, responsible for covering uh, for my brother? See what I'm saying? You, you miss 90% you of miss the media the is colluding with going respect too broad. to pushing one, one answer Vivek. on the American public for the origin of COVID-19 which is what? to the Hunter Biden laptop story what to now which people they decide they want to put up as their puppets what to take on Donald Trump. What does any of that have to do? the fact of the matter. Look, good on Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, you know, you got kicked off of CNN for covering for your brother. And then Chris Cuomo tries to make, yeah, 90% of the, the media was also covering for his brother. He literally, that's what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. And they were covering for COVID-19 and all these other things. So I don't know what role Vivek Ramaswamy is going to play in the future. I don't know if he's the real deal, if he's a plant. He, his ascension just smells and feels to me like Obama. Um. I'm not saying he's not genuine. I really don't know. I'm, I'm just being transparent here. I don't know the truth behind Vivek Ramaswamy. He definitely says the right things and he presses the right buttons and he is entertaining. So I guess this would be a good time to let you, the BCP podcast, family, audience, subscribers, supporters, fans know that I'm going to do something that has been requested that I've done a few times in the past, but I'm going to make an attempt to do with more regularity. So I'm showing you on the screen uh, the Ingram angle over on uh, on Fox News website. And the reason why I'm doing that is uh, to share with you that what's going to be happening over the coming weeks and months is you're going to see me having more guests on the show. Now, why did I show you uh, the Laura Ingram uh, Ingram angle uh, on, on Fox? Because yesterday I had an interview planned at 2.30 in the afternoon. Pacific Standard Time, my guest being in California. And Laura Ingram got my guest last night before I did. Now, the person... Uh, we've scheduled rescheduled for next week, so they'll be on the show next week. Uh, they're they're part of our BCP podcast family. I don't think they're going to mind me playing for you a voicemail they left me, having to postpone, and it, obviously not a problem. Um, this individual is doing very important work, and we definitely want to get uh, their take and their insight on a lot of important things going on, which we will do next week. Uh, but this is the, uh, the voicemail, uh, that I received. Hey brother, Laura Ingram, uh, is, is, uh, she's, 
she's going to preempt uh, our meeting today. I, I apologize. Just got a call sort of frantically from our producer to our PR person here, and uh, they said that they want me on tonight at uh, 4 o'clock Eastern. Uh, I mean, uh, 4 o'clock uh, Pacific, which is 7 Eastern, on our show live. So I have to go to a Fox studio and all that. It's too much coordination. I uh, wouldn't have enough time to squeeze in our call at 2.30 uh, uh, Pacific time and, and then coordinate to get to their studio. So I need to, if we can, please postpone today's call. I apologize for this, um, uh, but I need to uh, try to get as much national exposure as possible because people need to understand the truth. So hopefully we can give you some grace on this one. Let's uh, schedule. I, my tomorrow is looking good. And so we've uh, rescheduled for next uh, week. So excited uh, about about that uh, conversation we're having next week. But we'll be on this show. And I'm not going to come with a preconceived agenda, even though this individual and myself are very much aligned. And I can't wait to present that uh, to you. But isn't that interesting? BCP finally says, okay, we're going to have uh, scheduled guests on the BCP podcast. And day one of one of my favorite people that I, I loved it to talk to uh, about politics and the struggle that's going on right now. Uh, I get preempted <laughs> uh, by Laura Ingram. I, hey, that just elevates uh, this show. And of course, also is great marketing to have you guys uh, look forward to that segment next week. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Okay. I, Yesterday, we t- we, I, I showed you the political side of the conversation that was had when it came to Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene's hearing she had on injuries caused by the bioweapon masquerading as a COVID-19 vaccine. I showed you some of the back and forth between uh, Matt Gates and Dr. Robert Malone about the politicization of the CDC, of the vaccine and what have you. Uh, Also, Matt Gates talking about how the Department of Defense was not doing their job when it came to giving religious exemptions and just making this vaccine mandate, uh, which is absolutely, absolutely incredible that these these people are not being reinstated with full pay. And it's just a whole uh, cluster mess over there. But one of the people that was also in there that had a lot to contribute is Dr. Kimberly Biss. And I want to play you her comments segueing or, or continuing that whole idea of the Department of Defense not giving people waivers for this mandate and how it affected, listen to the story, how it affected a civilian contractor working for the government. And if you think about this fiscally, this is more expensive than had they done the right thing by these people in the first place. Not to belittle or to minimize the health damages, but looking at this holistically, it doesn't make sense even financially. I know it sounds like a horrible thing to say. What I'm really trying to say is there's multiple reasons why you need to do the right thing. Health, finance, security, our defense, etc. Okay, that's enough of a segue. Let's get into it. There's there's many examples of what appears to have been fraud or lawbreaking occurring within the federal administrative state uh, that um, is not 
the, these individuals are not being held accountable because there aren't the oversight structures, ombudsman, or other processes to enforce the law. Yeah, even when we catch them. By the way, I'm holding the Inspector General report from DOD where the Inspector General said that there was not the itemized review of people's religious exemptions that the law requires. So if we're going to keep funding it, it's going to keep happening. And I think the message to us is that we have to use the power of the purse. I don't have any other questions, but if Dr. Biss, if you had anything to contribute regarding how to kind of disaggregate these symptoms, I'd love to hear your perspective before. Well, you I would back. love to give you an example that just happened to me this week that kind of shows what's happening down in the trenches with the physicians. I had a patient come see me. She's 47, healthy, um, because her husband works uh, as a civilian in a military uh, base in Germany. She had to get to Moderna. And then when she came back to the States, she had to get a booster. She had Pfizer, so she had three shots in aggregate. Her last injection was in January of 2022, so it's been a while. For some reason, with no antecedent event, she didn't break a limb, she didn't have surgery, she wasn't sitting on a plane for 12 hours, she developed bilateral lower extremity blood clots, one of which broke off and caused a pulmonary embolism. She survived, but she was in the hospital for quite some time, had a huge workup. So bottom line is she has five specialists now on her case for all her problems. She comes to see me for her annual exam and I, she's telling me this, her, this story, and I said to her, did you get any of these messenger RNA injections? And she looked at me and she said, you're the first doctor that's ever asked me that. ER physician, hematologist, rheumatologist, I don't know who else is on her case. I'm just an OBGYN. I can't help her with any of her problems. I said, well, you need to go to the hematologist, and this is what this hematologist needs to order on you, please. But this is what we're up against. They're not asking the question. So how are you gonna how are you gonna tabulate any of this? Nobody's connecting the dots. I would just finally observe we're only aware of the vaccine injuries where essentially people are so so hyper aware of the connection between these things that they almost self-identify because we have this infrastructure that disincentivizes it. And we fund this system. It is federal money that funds healthcare in this country. And, and we should we simply should not tolerate that. Thank you so much for filling this leadership vacuum. I, I yield back. Disincentivize healthcare providers, scientists, and doctors. They're supposedly supposed to follow the science and also report to the VAERS, the virus adverse effects reporting system, they're disincentivized from doing their job. Dr. Biss says this woman has had a series of professionals, specialists, and no one asked her if she had taken any vaccines. It's like, it's taboo. They don't even want to touch it. Absolutely incredible. Now, did you catch what was said there? And what was said yesterday, or I showed you in yesterday's uh, report, Congress needs to act on this by cutting off funding for these things. As Matt Gates says this, Marjorie Taylor Greene is shaking her head. Hold on to that for a second. I want to show you one more thing that Dr. Biz talked about, and then we'll end this episode with an update on all of this as of today. But I want to just go back to Dr. Biss. You know on this program, 
I've called the COVID-19 vaccines what they are. They are a bioweapon and the mission of this bioweapon is depopulation. What is a great way to depopulate us besides killing off a whole bunch of people, but also making sure that some of God's children don't even get a chance to be born. These people love abortion. They love infanticide. And they love causing problems with pregnancies. How many of your patients or or pregnant women that you know of uh, experience miscarriages after taking the COVID-19 vaccines or injections? Yeah, I will tell you that I looked at my pregnancy population in the fall of last year, everybody that was pregnant in our practice, and our vaccination rate in that patient population was about 60%. That's pretty commensurate with Florida because last I checked in the CDC site, the vaccination rate in Florida overall was about 65 to 70%. Most of our pregnant patients received three injections. Very few received four or more. And what's concerning is the majority of the patients received their injections in 2021 and early 2022. Mm. However, we're still seeing lingering effects. We're not out of the woods. I mean, we're not out of the woods. This is the long-term effects of these things. We're going to be seeing the effects of this for a long time. That's one of the ways that I think was manufactured for this not to be picked up, right? So you get the injection late 2021, early 2022. We're almost into 2024. And then you start having all of these symptoms and sicknesses that are delayed or lingering. And then when people finally get care, they're not going to be asked about the vaccine. They're not, health professionals don't even want to touch the vaccine, but they're not even going to consider that because it was so long ago and people are just now coming in. We saw that when Dr. Biss talked about the woman who got the two Modernas and the Pfizer mRNA uh, booster, who has these, you know, in the previous segment, she had her last shot early 2022, going at almost two years. Very scary stuff, folks. Very scary stuff. This is the demonic evil that we're dealing with. And Satan, Lucifer, the devil, the master demon, the master of these eugenicists and depopulation fans, they're baked it in. They baked it into this bioweapon. They want... They say pro-choice, but they're pro-murder, they're pro-abortion, and they are pro-termination of pregnancy, even if they have to sneak it into the bioweapon injection that they mandated people take if they wanted to keep their jobs or have a livelihood. They scared them into taking it, and we are going to see the repercussions of this for a long time still. Very sobering thought indeed. So... I went back to January of 2020, and this data went up to the beginning of November of 2022. I will tell you in 2020, we had very many newly registered obstetric patients, which is what the blue bars represent. Those are first trimester newly pregnant patients. We had the most deliveries we've had, and probably wink, wink, that was due to the lockdowns. You've got to appreciate someone 
that even when you're talking about a serious topic like miscarriages can bring in a little bit of levity and mirth in uh, a little bit of a smile talking about the increase in pregnancies they had to deal with during 2020 because of the lockdowns, wink, wink. I mean, you're not at work, you're at home with your loved one. That sounds like uh, sounds like a great recipe for baby making. I remember when I was uh, a, a kid, or a teenager probably, uh, my mom telling me how during the rolling brownouts or blackouts that they had in New York City, I think it was in the 70s, that were like prolonged blackouts or whatever, nine months later, there was a baby boom in New York City. That's the only levity I think we're going to get for the rest of the episode. So let's continue. Um, We did also have what was considered the normal pregnancy loss rate. Now, what's quoted in my obstetric textbook and in some articles is that a normal miscarriage rate is 13 to 15%. I've never seen that clinically. There was a study that came out in 2020 by a gentleman named Naert, N-A-E-R-T, at Al that showed the actual miscarriage rate in the first trimester is 5 to 6%. And even that's a little high from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. My average miscarriage rate in 2020 month to month was 4%. That was normal. Now, I'm not going to geek out here on the statistical numbers and what have you. But if you think about that, that number is a pretty solid number because of the increases in pregnancies in 2020 because of the lockdowns. That gives you a pretty big data set. Also, 4%, she's talking clinically within you know, this is anecdotal, but it's data-driven anecdotal with, with, with her subset, with, with her clinic being this particular study. That's actually, you know, 4%, a big data set because of a lot more pregnancies than usual during a time when healthcare was kind of uh, sketchy and spotty. People weren't going to the hospital. They were afraid of COVID. It it just was a different time. So even during a pandemic of this sickness that is going around and people being cautious and healthcare being kind of a mess and a lot of babies being born, 4%, that's a fairly good number, especially if you look historically. Historically, uh, the, the, the rates, the mortality rates were a lot higher. So I think I think with that basis, it makes what we hear or about to hear even more, I think, alarming when we look when we look at this this subset of data that she has and then see how worse it has gotten because of the poison bioweapon. My miscarriage rate from year to year went up 100 percent in 2021. The average miscarriage rate month to month was seven to eight percent. We peaked in November of that year for some reason. That's actually when a non-clinical staff member came up to me and said, Dr. Bist, you realize we've had eight miscarriages this month, which in a practice that delivers 20 to 25 patients, that's a huge number. Mm. In 2022, the average month to month rate was 15 percent. Now that was up till November. I will tell you in December, I've never seen this before. We had 41 newly registered patients, 13 of them lost their babies. So that's 25% right there. And then in January and February of 2023, it still remained high. Didn't normalize until June of this year. 
then went up a little bit and came down in September. So we're still seeing effects. I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know to tell you how I feel about this. This is just depressing. 4% to 15%? 4 squared is 16. I mean, that rate of miscarriages, and we're just talking about in one practice. And in one month, it jumped to 25%? In, the, in that December of that year is is depressing. Uh, that's the only word I could use at this moment. Once again, not good for me as a political pundit and the host of a podcast to be at a loss for words. But I have a soft spot for, I don't know, God's babies. It used to be human nature to fight, kill, and do everything to protect the young, the vulnerable, the unborn. I guess I, I guess I just still have a little of that humanity in me. And it's very interesting. I, I want to end with this: how great of a doctor Doctor Biss is. She doesn't have the exact numbers of the you know the, the, these high mortality rates, these, these high miscarriage rates, because. It's a, it's a touchy subject. And no one else is asking these questions. She's the only one asking these questions. Yet she also has to be sensitive and is cognizant that this line of questioning is very tough for mothers. God bless Dr. Biss. God bless Dr. Biss. Let me play you this last clip. You asked how many patients had the vaccine and then lost their babies. That's hard to determine. I mean, I can tell you 60% of my patients got vaccinated. But the problem is if they're brand new to the practice, I haven't seen them yet because I'm the only person in my practice that asks every patient, have you gotten a vaccine? How many? Which brand? When? Have you had COVID? How many times? Because whether we like it or not, mm -hmm. that's part of your medical history now. I'm the only one that asks those questions. So the problem is if a woman miscarries and you ask them, well, did you get an injection? you may come across accusatory to that person. So that's information. You don't want to ever make a woman feel like she caused her baby to not yeah. be born. So it's hard to get the exact data in all those patients. Wow. Wow. God bless Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Dr. Malone, Dr. Biss. Let's end on a somewhat positive note, if I can really call it that. And that is our legislators taking action on this. So let me play you the last thing Matt Gates said after talking to Dr. Biss. Pay attention to the body language of Marjorie Taylor Greene. And then I'll immediately segue into what happened today, Thursday, November 15th, 2023. People are so, so hyper aware of the connection between these things that they almost self-identify because we have this infrastructure that disincentivizes it and we fund this system it is federal money that funds healthcare in this country and and we should we simply should not tolerate that thank you so much for filling this leadership vacuum i, I yield back and today we have this from marjorie taylor green on twitter last night 
I introduce an amendment that prohibits funding for the promotion, implementation, or enforcement of the CDC recommendation to add the COVID vaccine to the child and adolescent immunization schedule. The current recommendation that children as young as six months get the COVID vaccine directly uh, contracts, I think it contradicts the science. We must trust the science using one of their own terms that they use, right? Oh, you got to get it. Trust the science. Trust the science on the climate hoax. Trust the science except when it doesn't fall into the narrative of power. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene on the House floor. Thank you, Mr. Chair. My amendment prohibits funding for the promotion, implementation, or enforcement of the CDC's recommendation to add the COVID vaccine to the child and adolescent immunization schedule. In the fall of 2022, the Advisory Committee of Immunization Practices voted to recommend that the CDC add the COVID vaccine to the child and adolescent immunization schedule despite having zero scientific evidence for such recommendation. This decision recommended that children as young as six months get the COVID vaccine and accompanying boosters. In direct contradiction to the science, the CDC officially implemented the recommendation earlier this year. All studies showed that young children were far less likely to be infected or hospitalized by COVID. Between August 1st, 2020 and August 21st of 2021, the CDC reported that less than 1% of kids' hospitalizations for COVID resulted in death. Less than 1%. Children compromised less than 0.01% of COVID hospitalizations and 0.0005% of deaths, according to the CDC study. Why would the CDC implement such a recommendation to knowingly inject an experimental shot, especially one that is not even fully FDA approved, into kids who have an almost 0% chance of dying from COVID? I wonder why the government would push a product or a solution to a subset of our population that has no use for that product and is not solving a problem for that part of the population. Oh yeah, Matt Gates reminded us yesterday why all of this is happening. Because they are bought and paid for by Big Pharma. Now we see that the side effects of the unapproved experimental vaccine are proving to be detrimental to children and are causing irreversible injuries. Nine days after receiving the vaccine, a six foot nine, healthy 17 year old Everest Romney was admitted to the ICU with blood clots in his brain. We actually covered that story on this program when it happened. And a lot of people didn't hear about this story or all the other vaccine injuries. Why? Oh, because that is something we don't talk about. The Ministry of of truth or the ministries of truth of social media don't want people to know about this, which is one of the reasons why this BCP podcast exists in the first place. Couldn't talk about this on YouTube and look what 
even talking about what they allow me to talk about on YouTube has gotten me. It's gotten me kicked off of YouTube. You can't, you couldn't even get this information out to people. I wonder why that is. Because they are bought and paid for by Big Pharma. Anyone who talked about the incident on social media was censored. Nine months later, he was admitted for a second time. Doctors found another blood clot. A deep vein in his right leg and potentially permanent heart inflammation. Now, he can no longer play basketball and he has to take blood thinners. Thank God he is still alive. Stephanie DeGray's now 15-year-old daughter was in the Pfizer COVID vaccine trial and is now in a wheelchair with vision problems and a feeding tube. Several groups on Facebook were even taken down after she tried telling her story. Uh, Remember that story? We covered that as well of Maddie, whose mom signed her up to take this as part of the Pfizer experiment. Oh, this was heartbreaking. Uh, What was her name? Uh, Stephanie uh, DeGray. An Ohio mother speaking out about her 12-year-old daughter suffering extreme reactions and nearly dying after volunteering for the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine trial. She was uh, in a hearing with, uh, I believe it was Ron Johnson, who was looking into this and had a Senate hearing, not even a Senate hearing, just like it wasn't in, in, in the Senate. It was like the Senate didn't want to have a hearing on it. He had like his own hearing on it. And that, you know, now she's 15 because that was, uh, that was a few years ago. Heartbreaking. Feeding tube in a wheelchair because her mom thought it would be good for her. For America to have her daughter be an ex- a guinea pig. Man, it's, I, it's just a lot of heartbreaking stuff here. I, I, I might have mentioned this in the past. I wouldn't go back and change the past. But if I could not lead the life I live now, went back to college, knowing what I know now, if I wasn't going into the field of banking and finance, I would have gone in to be a pediatrician. And this is just, let's get, let's wrap up with Marjorie Taylor Greene. The, uh, I'm starting to get full of emotion, as you can probably tell here. I don't know how anyone can hear this news, love children and humanity, and not either be angered beyond all belief or saddened. Maybe I'm just once again reliving the cycle of, of grief and, uh, and I'm, I'm in, I'm in the grief I'm in the grief stage right now again. This is just absolutely heartbreaking in anyone who has any sense of humanity. I don't, I, don't, I don't imagine anyone listening to this, seeing this or watching this, unless you've been in this for so long that you've become desensitized, that your heartstrings and you just don't have down in your, like it says in the scriptures, down in like the, in your gut, in your bowels, in tus entrañas not have emotional gut reaction to this absolute slaughter of our children and our elderly and our population because big pharma wanted to make a profit and people bought into it or were paid off or gave in to social pressure and now no one wants to talk about it. 
Well, damn it, we're going to talk about it and continue talking about it on this program. Dr. Cody Meisner's Chief of Pediatric Infectious Diseases at the Tufts Children's Hospital in Boston said, it is hard to deny that there's some event that seems to be occurring in the terms of myocarditis. Although the CDC does not have the authority to officially mandate the vaccines for kids, the CDC's recommendation to add the vaccine to the child and adolescent immunization schedule is the foundation for all the vaccine mandates for kids in schools, daycares, sports leagues, and extracurriculars. My amendment would protect children from the experimental shot by blocking the implementation of the baseless CDC recommendation. I urge all of my colleagues to support my amendment, Mr. Chair, and at this time, I yield my time. All right, my warriors. I've set the example, shot an email off to my congressional representative to support Marjorie Taylor Greene on this. And I want you to do the same thing right now before you do anything else. Go to the website. Hopefully you've done this before. You have the phone number. I haven't called. They sent an email. I am going to call when I'm done with this and leave a voicemail if they don't answer or talk to their staff, which I usually do get to talk to their staff and let them know that I want them to support this from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Remember, we are in a constitutional republic, a representative republic, and they're supposed to represent us in D.C., And we must take active participation because we have to be the voice that fights back against that other voice. You know, the one that Matt Gates mentioned? Because they are bought and paid for by Big Pharma. All right. We've got more intel coming in and we're analyzing it. Hold the line. We'll be back with the next analysis. We're in a situation where we have put together... And you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. 